0: Hey guys, and welcome to a new episode. This is your host, Muhammad. Continuing with our pediatric review, let's talk about differences between cystic fibrosis and primary ciliary dyskinesis. We have to think of a couple of things. One, cystic fibrosis is upper lobes process, meaning the bronchiectasis that we see involves the upper lobe. In primary ciliary dyskinesia, it's a lower lobe bronchiectasis. In cystic fibrosis, men are infertile because of the absence of vast deference on primary cellular dyskinesis Infiltrity is related to cellular dyskinesis of the semen as well as the cilia within the fallopian tube which means both male are infert infertile females can be infertile and finally the hormone replacement in cystic fibrosis, we know it involves the pancreas and leads to hormone replace uh, deficiency, and this results in fatty replacement of the pancreas, as well as biliary cirrhosis. Key factor for bilia- primary ciliary dyskinesis is situs inversus, where there is total inversion of the abdominal and thoracic organ. Obviously, this is not present all the time, but it is associated with primary ciliary dyskinesis. When we say bacterial deformity, what does it stand for? V is for depral uh, anomalies, A is for anal imperforation. C is for cardiac, T is for tracheoesophageal anomaly, R is for renal anomaly, and L is for limbs. Position of foreign objects in the trachea versus the esophagus, we have to know the normal anatomy, particularly of the trachea. We know the trachea is a C-shaped cartilaginous ring with membranous portion in the back of the trachea, which means if we have any object that is bigger than the cartilaginous diameter of the trachea, it will expand the trachea in the anterior to posterior dimension. So let's say if we have a large coin or a large object within the trachea, what we see is the object will be in the anterior to posterior dimension. So a coin or on an AP radiograph will be seen in the thin dimension and on a lateral radiograph will be seen in the largest dimension if it's in the trachea. This is not the case in the esophagus and can take any shape if it was in the esophagus differences between germinal matrix hemorrhage and choroid plexus hemorrhage. The key difference is the age where they happened. In germinal matrix hemorrhage, the germinal matrix is a cellular structure that is only present in prenatal kids. So anything below 32 weeks, we have a germinal matrix hemorrhage. After 32 weeks, there is no germinal matrix hemorrhage, so there would be no germinal matrix hemorrhage hemorrhage. What we see if we have hemorrhage in the ventricle is choroid hemorrhage. So choroid plexus function in production of CSF, and that is a structure within the ventricle. It can hemorrhage in kids over 32 weeks, or particularly if they are full-term kids, then a hemorrhage in the ventricle space would be choroid plexus hemorrhage. Cancer type seen in horseshoe kidney, it is carcinoid tumor or renal carcinoid is seen in horseshoe kidney. Obviously, we have to remember that horseshoe kidney is seen in association with Turner syndrome. Just to summarize again, horseshoe kidney is in risk of developing renal carcinoid duplication of the collecting system in kids. Now, they really ask this in different ways, but when we have a duplicated collecting system, We have an upper pole ureter and a lower pole ureter. The way I remember it is that the upper pole ureter is coming from the upper pole because the problem is the ureter is too long. So it will insert on the upper pole of the kidney, but then it will insert in the inferior and medial bladder. Again, it will insert on the upper pole and then inserts inferiorly on the bladder. This is compared to the lower pole, which is shorter, and so it comes from the lower pole of the kidney and inserts into the normal location. Now, don't just remember that the the upper pole inserts inferiorly. I've seen it in a test where they asked not only inferiorly, but they were looking for that it inserts medial to the normal insertion of the ureter again the ureter inserts posteriorly and laterally now the upper pole duplicated ureter is longer so it will insert medially and inferiorly to the uh, normal ureter now in kids or in girls in particular the upper pole can be ectopic in insertion and may insert close to the vagina and cause incontinence additionally the upper pole Ureter in a duplicated sitting is associated with ureterocele formation. Talking about ureterocele, what is the imaging sign or descriptor? The imaging sign is the cobra head or cobra sign, which describes the ureter shape inserting into the bladder. What is the differences between leptomeningeal cyst and sinus pericranii? So leptomeningeal cyst is a cyst that results or it's often described as a growing skull fracture. And this is a fracture that leads to herniation of the meninges. The meninges herniates because during the fracture process, the dura was torn. So we have tearing of the dura, meninges herniate through the torn dura, and over time with the csf pulsation the fracture would widen and that's the description grown skull fracture or leptomeningeal cyst sinus pericranii. this is a an atomic variation where we have communication between the dural venous and the extracranial venous system through an emissary vein, and this will cause the mass that we see, meaning it's a venous mass. Again, sinus pericranii is a communication between the extracranial venous system and the dural venous sinuses through an emissary vein, which creates the skull defect that we see, meaning the vein would enlarge and it would show the skull defect. The skull defect in leptomeningeal cyst, like we said before, is a sequela of a fracture key descriptor for submandibular dermoid cyst. Remember in the brain we said dermoid key feature is fat containing and again sac submandibular dermoid would also contain fat and the wording descriptor is a sac of marble. So we will see well circumscribed fatty lobules in a cystic structure. This is in the location would be submandibular. This is a submandibular dermoid cyst. Imaging features associated with bowel malrotation. We have a couple of things that we look for. The location of the duodenal-jejunal junction. So the duodenal-jejunal junction will be right of the pedicle or right of the left pedicle. So we know that the duodenal-jejunal junction is almost under the stomach, which makes it the left of the midline. In malrotation, it would be right side of the left pedicle. A more important finding is the reversal of the SMA-SMV relationship. The way I remember and keep it straight is I always know that the IVC is to the right of the aorta. I would also expect for the SMA based on that rationale to be the uh, SMA to be left of the SMV or another way to describe it, the SMV to be right of the SMA. Like we said, the IVC is to the right of the aorta and the SMV is to the right of the sma now if this relationship is inverted and we have the sma to the right of the smv meaning opposite to the aorta and the ivc at that point that would be consistent with mal rotation of the bowel and finally unexpected location of the cecum we know the cecum is in the intraperitoneum not like the ascending colon which is retroperitoneal anything retroperitoneal meaning it's tethered even though the cecum is in the peritoneum and it's not tethered it's typically within the right lower quadrant in bowel malrotation this anatomy is completely different and we could see it on the midline or even in the left upper quadrant Again, to summarize, findings consistent with malrotation, key finding is the inversion of the SMA-SMV relationship, abnormal positioning of the cecum, and the location of the duodenal jejunal bulb on the right of the left paddockal, and it should be on the left of the left pedicle. What's the treatment for it? It's the LADS procedure. In development, the the duodenum, the way it's shaped, if you can imagine if you hold the bowel and you turn your hand 270 degree counterclockwise, you get the shape of the duodenum. In malrotation, we don't have the 270 degree turn of the bowel, meaning it's not turned. And that's why we get the inversion of the SMA and SMV relationship and so on. What they do to fix it, basically open the abdomen, Put the small bowel on one side, typically the left side, and the cecum and large bowel on the left side. Sorry if I said the small bowel on the left, I was wrong. Small bowel on the right and large bowel on the left and close the abdomen. Imaging features for posterior urethral valve. Really two things that are descriptive for it. What we know is posterior urethral valve. If it's inverted, that means that urine is not flowing out of the urethra and is not leaving the bladder. So what we get, we get severe dilation of the bladder and proximal urethra. This gives us the descriptive keyhole sign, which is related to what I just described, inversion of the urethral valve. on VCUG. What we see is normal caliber of the urethra until you get to the central or posterior urethra Well, you see it dilated as well as the bladder. Again, so you'll see normal caliber of the urethra and as you get closer to the bladder, the urethra would dilate. And that's what we see abrupt change in caliber of the urethra and dilated bladder. On prenatal or postnatal ultrasound, we have the keyhole sign which describes the normal dilated bladder or even slightly more than normal dilated bladder and proximal dilation of the urethra, which gives us the keyhole sign.